There is hope for us yet We are young, we are wet I am Holly Whitaker And I am Laura McCowan And this is Home Podcast No, no snuck it in oh my like steve recently asked me if he could call me ho low like j-lo and i said do you do you not get it like that it sounds like ho and he's like oh right and he still calls me it no holla no holo um oh god i'm fist fist bump to steve right now god painful um it just reminds me I, I used to watch uh what you want call it real housewives of new york and there was that girl the entrepreneur one who always said holla oh god I, oh. <laughs> i don't know why yeah. I well it's, she's not saying it with any amount of irony <laughs> uh, anyway um yeah so hi so, laura hi holly hi i'm how are you? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Um, I'm excited about this episode and what it has done to my brain since we recorded it. Yeah, I know. You um, want to talk about it? You want to intro? Yeah. So we are interviewing. This episode is an interview with Meadow DeVore. She is, uh, we brought her on because, because she, we ended up talking about a few different things, but we brought her on to talk about money, uh, specifically like digging your way out of a fi- of of financial mess and uh, money mess when you you know in sobriety. Um, she is sober and she uh, has a really fascinating, good story about her money, um, and it, it, I feel like. It, I mean, it is a story about money. Her story is like, to me, it was a um, bottoming out, a financial bottoming out story, you know, like similar to some of the stories we have around alcohol addiction and stuff. Hers was like a financial bottoming out. And she, through the, I was, I was like both excited to talk to her and uh, totally wanted to avoid this topic as I always do. It's my least favorite topic it's like the as it comes up in the interview the thing that we both think is like never going to be an issue that we you know truly overcome or yeah uh so so she's great she's uh, she is a life coach she started yoga church um which you can look up online it's yogachurch.com she is a super powerful mama and um entrepreneur and uh, she has written a couple of books. One is called Money Love, um, and she's writing another one right now. I think she's in the middle of working on her memoir. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so this this conversation, I mean, truly since we talked, I've had some really big shifts in terms of how I think about money and making money and spending money. Spending. And at my energy around money and the way I think about it. And I, I mean, I, I know we will have her on, um, a couple more times at least because we only, 
like started to scratch the surface of it. We had our own, she basically, this episode is basically her coaching us through our own like personal breakthrough. (laughs) (laughs) And it was also one of the most tense episodes that we've had, like between you and me. Um, I think because we were so deeply uncomfortable talking about this thing. And um, so it's made my whole body hurt was we were getting like deeper and deeper into it. It was just, I could, you know, it's hard to interview some of this stuff when you still have a lot of shit around it, you know? Oh yeah. And we, uh, yeah, I got off this and went for an eight mile run immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I didn't. (laughs) You screamed in your pillow. No, no, you went and got a bad haircut. Oh no. This was the day. I don't remember yeah. what I did. Was that? No, it wasn't the day I got a bad haircut. Yes, it is. Is it? Yes. Oh, I don't. I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, this is Meadow. Hey, Meadow. Hey. Hello. Hi. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I am so excited to be here. Very, very oh, excited. Good. We're excited too, and it took us. Uh, this is a, a the third try. try. No, it's the third try. Third try, actually. Yeah. Oh, right. The third try. So, uh, yeah, the 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 whatever's finally aligned, and we're having this conversation. So I'm glad. Laura, just really quick, I'll edit this out. Did, are you recording as well on your side? I am. Good. Okay. Yeah. Right. So we. Uh, you know, we want to really focus this. You have such a huge story and we want to focus the conversation really on money yeah. uh, and, and all, around, you know, all things around that. But I do want you to take us through sort of the Reader's Digest version of your story. Uh, not Leading not to up to money or just the... Yeah, the leading up to money. That, that would be okay. perfect. Yeah. Um, so how, how you got there. Yeah. <laughs> so I got there as <laughs> as any addict gets there. I think you start with uh, extremely dysfunctional upbringing and throw in a couple good doses of trauma. <laughs> um, I was raised in a pretty violent household and did not, I mean, my only coping mechanism, I would say, was dissociation. I didn't get into drugs and alcohol and any of that until I was well into my 20s. Um, So my only coping mechanism was dissociation. I was raised Mormon, which gives you a little bit of a, it makes it a little bit harder to reach for those substances when you think you're going to go to hell. So when you say dissociation, what do you mean? I mean, I would slip out the back door of my head and I knew how to do it. So if things started getting violent or if things started getting um, really intense, my mom was violent, my dad was violent. And I just knew how to escape. Like my body would be there, but I would not be there. And that was my coping mechanism for a long, long time. And in fact, it taught me that any vibrant feeling was not safe. And over time, not until like my 20s and 30s did I really realize, not only did I do that when I was terrorized, but I also did that when I felt anything like anger, Mm. um, jealousy, just anything more than okay or not bad I mean that uh, okay and bad and not bad that's about what I felt and that's what I would tolerate Mm -hmm. and other than that I was gone and really like just to paint a little bit of a picture you grew up where 
Um, I grew up in Atascadero, California. Atascadero is a tiny little town in San Luis Obispo County. So it's pretty much on the map right between LA and San Francisco Mm -hmm. um, near the coast. So tiny. You had a few, you had, I I believe you you had a few siblings. Yeah. Yeah. I have brother and sister. And yeah. Um, and, and through all of this work, it's, it's interesting. My family, um, I definitely have not, I lost my family in the process of this. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So, so you, I'm sorry. I have to ask, what do you, you mean you, I want to go back to like where, where it leads up to getting into drugs and alcohol, but also when you say you lost your family in that, um, do you mean that as you started to evolve, that meant that you severed relations with your family? Yeah, and it came step by step. Uh, my mom died when I was 24, so that was a pretty major loss. My dad was addicted to pot, still is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, it, it's funny because I listen to you guys talk, and um, especially when you talk to, I, I just don't identify with pot smokers at all. I don't get it. I grew up with that. I think that's how like children of alcoholics are like, I oh, will never drink. Like I'm like mm-hmm. that about pot. I just don't understand it at all. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I grew up in a... <laughs> In a Mormon pot head household, <laughs> if you can. So try weird. To oh my god. <laughs> so weird. Yeah. So yes, the the cards were a little bit stacked, but um, no, I lost them in the process of, the, of this. My sister ended up um, addicted as well. She was had an early pregnancy, went to jail. She went. She went the route that that kind of upbringing typically takes you. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. So, but, but you say that, what is, what do you mean? Because you mean the abusive home? Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. With, okay. with no, no way out of it. So, um, yeah. you know, to tolerate that much pain on a daily basis or that much chaos or that much terror, um, it's intolerable. It's it's really, really hard day after day, year after year to continue doing that. And I yeah. think that most people that reach for something, it, it's because they're in pain in the first place. Yeah. And alcohol solves it. My sister started, yeah, my sister started um, popping pain pills when she was like nine. Yeah. Wow. So, and I didn't. I just like did the hypervigilance, codependent, I'm going to shut everything mm-hmm. down and control everything in the world. That's what I did. It worked yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. So Ugh. okay. So getting back to it, then. So you 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 said you grew up and you didn't touch any of that stuff, and then you were kind of oh. on to in your twenties. Um, what happened? Yeah, in my twenties, my mom died, so that was a pretty significant thing. But I had already started drinking at that point, but I didn't really. I wasn't really drinking a lot. Um, but I, I mean, if you want to trace back addiction, like I know I'm here to talk about money, but for me, it's, it's all one category. It's all one category of not being able to tolerate my feelings. And so whether I was dissociating, whether I was overeating, whether I was counting calories or overworking out, um, spending money, like these were all my coping mechanisms to try to numb that, really awful pain that was just there all the time so um so that so alcohol um came into the picture I would say in my early 20s I lived in Tahoe super super fun time in my life and um and it was the first time where I could do something and 
and immediately feel better and, and still kind of be there for it. So dissociation, you know, when you're doing that, you're not there. Like you're just shut down your shell. And when I drink, uh, I'm like, oh, I'm fun. <laughs> I can, yeah. I can hang out. You could still people. hang out. Yeah. So, so that, that kind of became my, my drug of choice almost alongside of money, I would say. So I started, I think I got my first credit card and probably bought my first vodka in the same week. (laughs) (laughs) So what did the money thing look like though? Like, because did you have money? Did you come from money? Did you, how did it manifest? (laughs) Yeah. So was it, you had like first access to money? Um, I had, okay. So I, I will, I will basically any kind of money issue I would say is just an, um, non mindfulness, right? It's a disassociation or a disconnection from your relationship with money. So I disconnected from money right around that time. So before that time, what it looked like is I had my job. I made, I mean, when I was in college, I made like $5 an hour. And then I moved up to Tahoe for the same job. I got hired at $20 an hour, which I thought I was a millionaire because I was making $20 an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So, but when I was still connected to money, it looked like, okay, this check went in. What are my bills? Every single week I'd balance my checkbook. I wrote my checks in the register. Like I was connected to it. I, I knew what I was spending. I knew what I owed. I did not have any credit cards whatsoever. I had no no debt, you know, it was just, so you did have like some responsibility around it or your connection. Yeah. Total, total, absolute understanding that this is a dollar and this dollar is either going to do this or this. And so over time, what happens when credit cards become involved, debt becomes involved in whatever way, um, you lose that connection. Now you have, now you have a buffered connection because you have a connection to the bill you're going to pay at the end of the month, but that might not be what you actually spent. That might be a portion of what you spent, but you're not literally handing over that money right now out of your bank account. And just because of that specific lag time, I mean, imagine going out and drinking and you don't have a hangover for five days and it's just kind of sporadic and you don't really know when it's going to happen. That's how money works. Yeah, that's how money works. And it's so confusing because you don't really know when you just kind of know you're not doing the right thing. But nobody had really taught me about debt. Not that that's an excuse, but I didn't really understand it. And because yeah. I, I didn't understand truth to begin with. I mean, total building blocks of like having an actual functioning human. I did not know what truth was. So yeah. how, how could you possibly know what money is if you don't even know what the truth is, what $2 means? Right. Yeah. Okay. So I so want to go all the way there. Um, <laughs> I like, I want to get to that, this, that part. I want to know, but take us through a little bit more. So take us through sort of the next, you know, 20, 10 years. After the vodka years. and the, after the after vodka, the vodka and, the and, the, and the credit, credit card. Years. The vodka and then into the tequila years. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, yes, it started with credit cards. It started with student debt. Um, I got a scholarship to go to college, but then you can also get um, student loans loans, that will pay for your subsistence during those times, right? So I got a little bit of extra student loans to get me through. I was also working. I was always a really hard worker. And really driven. At 24, I'd opened a music school in Tahoe, and it was the first of its kind. It was very, very popular, very, very successful. So um, 
so I, I, I was completely functioning, but I was in that race of just make money, spend money, make money, spend money, make money, spend money. And um, all on this house of cards that was slowly building that I didn't really understand how toxic it was. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it starts with credit cards and, and it starts with, I think, my United Mileage Plus card is where I started. And then it went to the point where I had Macy's cards and Victoria's Secrets cards and I had cards for everything. Right. And then I bought my first house and that was in. Um, gosh, uh, 1999. So it was right before like. Um, the bubble um, and this is before kids, before you got married, this before, before your kids. Yeah, this is right. Be- uh, I think I got married right the same year that the first house was bought. Um, and um, but it was before the prices started skyrocketing. Mm. So, I mean, I got my first for $99,000 in Tahoe. So, you know, <laughs> you just can't do that anymore. But within two years, I had that house and I flipped it and I doubled my money in two years. And I'm like, this is awesome. This is great. Yeah. And so every single time it was like that. So every single time I wasn't paying attention to the fact, all I was paying attention to was how much money I can make, what, what, how you could win on the gamble, basically, instead of what does that actually mean? And what does it mean when you actually owe that money? And I didn't, it, it's so hard to explain what it means to understand the truth of money until you take somebody down to like the studs, <laughs> like let's rebuild your relationship with money because yeah. you, over time you just get more and more used to debt, more and more used to the payments. And you start thinking in payments rather than in yeah. actual yeah. Oh, like, that's I how that I think. think. Yeah. yeah. I can make I'm like payment. partially panicking right now because you're basically <laughs> describing me. I mean, <laughs> so uh, just <laughs> FYI, <laughs> my heart's pounding. Okay. I'm sure everybody's heart is pounding. And this is, this, that's why I like talking about money because I'm not talking about money in a way that people can't understand. I don't know money in that way. <laughs> I only know money in a regular person's way. Like of, you're not a finance person. Yeah. You're not Susie Orman. No, not at all. Not at all. I'm like, I know how to fuck it up really good. And I know how I unfucked it up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll just calm my heart down. Keep calm going. Calm your heart. Okay. So, so that, that continued. So the first house was bought and then the second house was bought. And so it was during that time in the early 2000s where, and, and I got married and I had a baby and, and it was easy to buy and sell and buy and sell. And to, you know, that was like right during all of the shady loans that were being processed. Yeah. But of course, you don't think you're the one getting the shady loan. Yeah. I knew not to get an arm. I knew not to do that. But I also thought, like, it's just easy. If you need 20 extra thousand dollars, no problem. And so I did that. Mm-hmm. I also expanded my business. So I had a location at the lake, which was thriving. And so over in the valley at Truckee, that was also this unbecoming. Like Truckee had always been really quiet, but all these new developments were going into Truckee to make it really, really fancy. And I wanted to have an established zone there. So I took a loan to expand my business. So like none of these, it it wasn't like I took out 20 grand and put it on red, right? It's not like I was really in a, in a way that most people would think gambling, except that I was because I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. So where is drinking and you know, drugs not in at this time. Yeah. So I never, I never did drugs. I wasn't into drugs. I had a couple okay. of times 
that's where I tried them and it was like not okay with me. I freaked out, <laughs> which is weird mm-hmm. because I was totally fine with drinking, but for whatever reason, I just yeah. couldn't go there. Um, so drinking was also escalating during this time. So I did have my, you know, nine months of pregnancy, had my little girl, but I would say that when I had her, all of, so my mom died of cancer. I had this horrible, horrible, um, violent past that I pretty much knew that I had that, but I hadn't dealt with it. Mm -hmm. And then I immediately like plunged into this depth of grief and, um, just, just incapacitated grief when she died and I couldn't really get out of it. Um, and my daughter wasn't born for six more years. So like seven years later, she's a baby and stuff just keeps coming up and coming up and coming up in the middle of the night when I hold her. And, and it was, it was just so shocking to me to have this little being that I loved so much and the contrast and the disparity between the way my mom had been with me and how I couldn't even fathom. Like, how do you do that to a baby, to a child? Um, And then that's when I started going, oh, oh, something really bad happened. Like, this this was really not okay. Um, Like, you were remembering, re-experiencing, well, your body knows, right? Well, your body knows. And I knew, and almost everybody that I come in contact with does know their trauma. They just don't know that it's bad enough to count. Mm, and yeah. I just didn't know that. I didn't know that, oh, no, that that's what they're talking about when they say trauma. That's what they're talking about when they say abuse. No, and I think that it's such an interesting point to make, too, because for so many years, I think also there's this other part that plays into it is that we think if we go out and, you know, make certain successes in the world or, you know, can function in certain ways as an adult that we don't really need to deal with it or it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, and yeah. it also it only comes up. It doesn't all it's not all pervasive for a lot of us. It just comes up oh. at certain times. And so I know exactly what you're saying, because I had such a fucked up child not not a childhood but I had I went through some really fucked up stuff and I yeah. never dealt with it and then once in a while around the holidays or whatever or, you know like it would just come up but I would say I would always say no it's fine I've gotten through it I've put that behind me um right. without really thinking that it's still there with me just because we're you know just because it's not in our everyday face um so I love that point because you're right so right. many people do it yeah. And here, you know, I have two businesses. I have a baby. I have a husband. I had a vacation home. Like I had, I had a nanny. I had a, a landscaper. Like I was, I was doing all right. Except mm-hmm. for the fact that every single night I woke up at two and had this overwhelming sense of doom and panic that I couldn't figure out. And it would last for hours. And I would walk around and watch Tony Robbins infomercials and, you know, could not get a grasp. I really, I actually, that was my first thing. That was my first attempt at self-help. I thought, get the edge. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, so, yeah. um, so that, so the drinking there, I, I would say that's where I crossed over I don't, I don't particularly think that any drinking, I'm, I'm not a, a fan of any drinking, but I would cross over, that's where it crossed over from being something that was a coping mechanism to being something that was an absolute habit for me. Like I didn't want to come home if there wasn't wine home. So I was always the Chardonnay drinker. That's, that was that. And then tequila, if it was like a weekend, but, mm-hmm. um, so there was definitely the way that I think 
it worked for me is just like if you had a horrible wound or a scab or something that wants to heal, like there was something in my soul that needed to heal. And for whatever reason, Isabel having my daughter opened up my heart enough to push that to the surface. Like now you have to heal. You can't love her without healing this. You can't do it. Yeah. So it's so common um, with mothers yeah for that I'm as I'm sure you know uh to go through that you know you it's like <clears throat> it breaks you open uh, it breaks you open and and it so so if you think about it from a dissociation point I couldn't dissociate from her I didn't yeah. want to so for the you first time to. in my life I actually had to stay with my feelings and they were unbearable yeah I didn't want to leave her I knew what that felt like I knew that I couldn't hold her and leave her that felt like a too too horrible to do I couldn't do that which is pretty amazing it you know that it didn't go that way you didn't go that way because that is you know that that's the pattern that repeats so often yeah so well I, to, it's not like I was stellar I was drinking <laughs> I, know, but still, I mean you even had the you know I just want to point that out it's a big deal it's a big deal um to turn yeah. into it yeah. whatever messy way you could so okay so, so that have- took me, um, that took me deeper into drinking, deeper into daily drinking, deeper into drinking by myself. And, um, from the moment she was born, I was pretty much a single mom and I knew that my marriage was in trouble. I knew my marriage was in trouble before I got married. So, um, so I was, I was coping with intense loneliness. Um, I also married a guy that completely matched my dysfunction when I started and, you know, shocking yeah I know it's weird (laughs) um and and so I I knew I there was so there's so much so many cars in this train wreck here there's the the financial piece there's the relationship piece there's the self-esteem piece there's like all this dysfunction that I had not healed from um and then, you know, put some money on that. And that's really the only place I felt good about myself was, look, was I'm money. successful. Yeah, look, I mm-hmm. can buy things. Look, I can go shopping at Nordstrom or I can, you know, get a new car if I feel like it. And how old are you at this point? Yeah. Um, 30. Okay. Yeah, 30, 31. So your financial world, is it just looking pretty good or was it actually okay? I mean, you had obviously like you'd accumulated a bunch of of stuff and houses I had stuff and houses and at that point in time they weren't upside down so yeah I looked I looked okay I looked okay except that anybody I remember meeting with one of my students parents at that time and I I was telling him about this property I wanted to buy and he's like you know a mortgage of three thousand dollars scares the living life out of me and he was a millionaire telling me that and, and I remember thinking, well, why the fuck for, what's the matter with $3,000 a month? Like all I was thinking with, I bring in this much, that's how much I'm paying out. And, and that was, that was a good red flag for me. Like this person has so much wealth and has done this for so long and he still wouldn't want that kind of a payment. That yeah. is not okay for him. So, um, and I was, I was always really interested in in money, in people with money. Like I just didn't grow up around it. It was a whole, and Tahoe is so wealthy, like beyond wealthy. And it was just so interesting to be around a a kind of wealthy that just born that way or earned it, but just in, in, in amounts that I couldn't even understand. 
Right. And I'm sure everybody you were surrounded with was, had money. Yeah. Had money, had money. So, so then going fast forward the next five years, like between 2000, 2005, 2009, that 10 year stretch, um, yeah. that's when the market started to turn. That's when, my, yeah. that's when my marriage got really bad. That's when I knew I had to move. Um, so I have this baby and I'm cracking open and totally falling apart. And I realize uh, this marriage is not going to last. I'm a piano teacher and I own this music school. So I work from like noon to nine o'clock every single day. Those were my hours. I'm like in five years, I'm never going to see her like that. This is not sustainable. If I'm going to be a single mom, I can't do it this way. So I knew I had to move to where I wanted to raise her. I knew I had to get a whole new career (laughs) and, um, and divorce. And so, so that was, that was on. And you're drinking all the time. And I'm drinking every day. Yeah. Yeah. And all my friends are drinkers at that time. So, so that's, that's kind of where, that's what took me to the central coast. That's what took me out of Tahoe. That's what um, ended up in a separation and then in divorce. But when I filled out the paperwork in 2009 for my divorce, um, you know, before that, when people got divorces, there was splitting assets. And that was like the first year where people were actually splitting debt. That was, you know, three months after the real estate crisis is when I decided to um, file for divorce, which was not great financial timing. So all of our properties were upside down at that point and, um, and falling fast. Yeah. And at that point I had made all of my payments. I had always done everything. I had kept all of the commitments. Um, I had, you know, I was paying off my student loans still. I was, I was doing everything that the good American should. Mm -hmm. And, um, I sold my conservatory up in Tahoe. And so 2009, I filed for divorce, have this, you know, megaton of half million dollars of debt that I put onto the, um, that I had to sign to. Um, and then the, I had a balloon payment that had come to me for selling the, the conservatory, um, in 2008. And then the last payments were due in 2009, he ended up going bankrupt. And so, oh, the, the, that's where the house of cards, that's where the truth means the truth, um, is when this is how much you owe, regardless of whether this real estate crisis is happening or not. This is yeah. how much he owed you and he's not paying you. So, right. so just to back up, just so people like a balloon payment is you were owed yeah. a big chunk of the money, a big chunk of money. So he paid a big chunk up front. He paid a few payments and then he was supposed to pay a big chunk and back. Okay. So it's a, it's an unsecured loan, which means I am holding the paper for that. So he took the business and he offered it back to me and he, he's a nice man. It was, it was just a, it was just a very bad year for a lot of us. And I wasn't about to move back to Tahoe and take, (laughs) take back my old business. So yeah, so the here is, so, so let me tell you from the addict's point of view, this is where I was. It's like, I can make my payments. I'm doing a good job. I can keep managing this. I can keep making enough money per month. I can keep putting out classes. I was a, I was a life coach at that point and doing classes on 
um, money and success, which is Oh, awesome. you were? You were, teach- you were life coaching on money? <laughs> oh, yes, I was. That's amazing. Okay. <laughs> oh, yes, I was. <laughs> Oi. So how did that feel? Were you like... Horrible. Horrible. Yeah. God, horrible. I, that's, I mean, the, this is like all, this is my fuck up story of what brought me to my knees and actually made me grow up. This is, this okay. is how it happened. Uh, so, so there's that, like, I'm a fraud. I'm a fraud. People are going to find out I'm a fraud. And this thing is slipping faster than I can keep it up. Like, you know, I had property up for sale, but it, I, I was dropping the prices $10,000 a week and nobody was buying it. And it was quickly going under what I had invested and quickly going under anything I could redeem at that point. Yeah. Um, and then in the back of my mind, it's like, no big deal, no big deal. I'm going to get that payment in June. No big deal. Just get a divorce, get your place, get set up. You're going to be okay. You're going to get that payment in June. So I got divorced. I moved. I got my place. In May, I found out I'm not getting that payment in June. Oh I'm getting God. zero. And not only zero, but I'm a freaking life coach trying to make a living telling people how to live a great life. And I'm a fucking fraud, like beyond fraud at this point. Oh I'm like, my I, God. I'm having the worst life possible. Oh <laughs> I can't tell anybody what to do. Like I am, it's horrible. I'm just so ashamed of myself. I don't want anybody to know what's yeah. going on. Um, so that, that's, that was my rock bottom with money, but that's what took me to a place of, oh, that's what money means. Like, that's what it means to owe. That's what it means to owe is you actually sold the house and you still owe the bank $80,000 and you don't have it. And now you don't have a house, you have nowhere to live and you still owe them $80,000. So t- what was the, what was the number? How much did you owe? How much did you owe? I don't have it memorized. I think it's, it's like 570,000 about, I can look so, it up. No, I, you know, I don't need to know yeah. like to the penny, but in the range of like $600,000. Yeah. Uh, $600,000. Yeah. $571,000. Yeah. It was a lot. That is it was a lot. A lot. Um, so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so was there like a moment? Was there a... Yeah, there was the moment where I'm like, he's not going to pay me. And I'm not making any money because I feel so shady doing my job at this point. And and just so you know, like I was successful. Like I had already been on Oprah. I had a book deal in the... I had like things going on in my business and I was trying to keep this undercover. You'd been on Oprah? Yeah, I, I saw Oprah. that on your story on your blog. Wait, so, so you were on Oprah? <laughs> it's on Oprah, yes. It was awesome. Were you on it about money? Like, no. Were you on it as you? Yes. <laughs> There's me, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about what? Um, the law of attraction. Oh. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, so I was on the, you know, The Secret that came out. Yeah. Um, I a follow-up show for The Secret. So she had on a bunch of people that had were teaching it and doing it. And so I was on there with Martha Beck, uh, Louise Hay, Cheryl Richardson. <laughs> oh, yeah. So yeah, you started then, you started working with Martha Beck, right? Or you have, or you still do? Or mm-hmm. I, Yeah, okay. I did, I did, and I still do, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're on there talking about, you're like... <laughs> The secret girl, law of attraction, and you have this total facade at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Not only financially, but my my marriage is in total shambles. I'm like, seriously, like, take a look at my life. What on earth am I going to be teaching? Like, there's nothing. (laughs) Like, don't do what I do. Did anyone know? Did anyone in your life know? 
Um, I don't, I, I didn't even know. Yeah. I, I don't think so. I mean, oh. I think people, people probably knew bits and pieces. Um, but I was, but you pretty- weren't being, I mean, you, you said the truth, you know, you weren't, you didn't know how to tell the truth. Like you weren't, there was still, so there was denial on your, your part yes. too. So you yes. weren't saying to someone, this is what's happening. No. And I knew how to accumulate wealth, like nobody's business. I knew how to make money. And so mm-hmm. I always taught how to make money. And, and that was easy for me. Like I can tell you how to sell out your thing. I can tell you how to, uh, you know, make money and sell out your telecourse or whatever was going on at the time. I knew how to do that. That was easy for me, but I didn't know that the, relationship with money is more than just making it (laughs) like what about the part where you spend all your money and you could perpetually keep yourself broke like that doesn't mean you're successful yeah Yeah. so no I had a long way to fall like I had built a really great career for myself and really 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 didn't want to um didn't want to lose didn't didn't want to have to be real in that way. And so 2009 brought me to my knees in this way of like you talk you guys talk about your sobriety, rock bottom and this this was definitely my first sobriety. This was my rock bottom. And I was drinking but I wasn't I wasn't doing anything crazy. I was like drinking by myself in my house. Um uh but this was crazy. This was crazy. Yeah. So, you know, over a half million dollars and my entire my entire platform that I had built is going to go down. They're tanking everything that like all these great people that believed in me, like, what are they going to find out? Yeah. Um, what did you do? what did you do? What's <laughs> what the first thing you did? Jesus. What, the first thing I did was I, I'm a huge believer in Dave Ramsey. I think his, his stuff is great. And yeah, he, I have his book sitting right here. Never. Yeah. Who's Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey is, he, he's a money teacher, but he's like a very, um, just nuts and bolts, real guy. And so he teaches something called the snowball method for debt. And I really like that. And that's what I, I read his podcast or I read his blog about that and I started doing it. And I actually have my very first sheet where I wrote out everything I owed. And so, so the idea is that you pay off the smallest amount of debt first so when I stacked up all the payments that I owed, I think I owed like, I think I was paying off 5,000 ish per month. Mm-hmm. And so you just, if you have 50 extra dollars, you put the 50 extra dollars to the smallest thing you owe. So if you only owe, you know, $75 to your medical bill, you, you paid that off first. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you take that 75 the next month and you add it to the next small, the next one on the list and the next one on the list. So I started doing that. And because I was a coach and because I had, you know, already a client base and email base, I thought, okay, I have two ways to go. One is go and hide and change careers again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Or I do something radical and I start telling the truth. And that's what I did. So I came out on my blog and talked about how much debt I had. I talked about the fact that I had started screwing up. I mean, I was a really novice writer. I wasn't really, it's not like how I write now, but it was my attempt at saying, you know, this is what I'm doing and I've kind of been a fraud. I feel horrible about it. And I'm going to start telling you guys the real deal. What's really going on here. And that was just a bananas hit. Like, People started reading my blog, emailing me, wanting to know what I was. It was just the weirdest thing. Like I thought this 
saying my, my deepest, darkest shame of like, I'm so sorry, mm-hmm. was going to be outcasting me from, from everything that I loved about my job. And what it did was it just took me to this whole different realm of, of, of teaching and being and, um, and, and took me out of this facade and just like, you know what, I'm just going to tell you how I screwed up. Let me just tell you that story. What was it like when you were writing that? Like, then when you, can you walk us through, like, not walk us through, but can you just tell us, do you remember what it felt like before you hit send and push it out? So scary. It it, it felt, what did you think you were doing? Like, did Um, you know, were you hoping, okay, I hope this happens or I hope that happens or were you just like, I need to do this? I was basically thinking that I was just burning my business down that day. Yeah. Like I have, I mean, I remember the same thing at the conservatory. It was up for sale for a really long time. We weren't getting any buyers. And I was like, I'm going to move and I'm not renewing this lease. So either I'm going to just leave this building with all these pianos in it or a new buyer is going to come in. But either way, I'm out of here. And that's kind of how I was at this. Like either way, I have to change. I can't, I cannot be this pristine life coachy, happy, happy sunshine girl. Like it's not working for me. Yeah. So... So you were just, you just did it. Yeah. You, you had, you felt, you just did it. And then did you, I mean, you had to lose some people though. Did you have any negative, did you lose anything that you remember? I actually don't think so. I think I went from like getting, I don't know, a couple hundred people to 10,000 people a week on my blog. I mean, it was crazy. I don't, I, I, it, it definitely tapered off once I stopped talking about debt. Like people love a good money story. They love it. Yeah about it um and I was being so real and nobody really was being real except for JD Roth at the time and um Adam Baker and that was it yes so and and so the three of us were like really really saying like this is what happened and it was just so timely it was like 2009 and you know going through this at the same time as us and not very many people were ready to talk about it and so I just was in the right place at the right time talking about it which was terrifying and I didn't do it because I thought it would work I did it because I had no other choice you needed to free yourself somehow yeah yeah Yeah. and I didn't want to give up my career because I really loved it and I thought well if I can be of service in this way this is the only way forward is to be real yeah yeah that's amazing okay so so that that was the that's the professional piece I started blogging and I started I knew I wanted to write a book. I knew I wanted to make workshops. I knew I wanted that, you know, like that's just the way I think. How can, how is this working? You know, if, if I'm going to be like teaching it to people like, yeah. Yeah. So I did this thing for a year. I coached for almost nothing. And I said, I'm going to be doing this research uh, about how to get out of debt. And I want to see, like, I have some ideas. I have some theories and I want to see how this goes. So I had, I don't know, like 20 people that I emailed with every single day, which is insane. Like looking back at the amount of work I did, I just like 20 private clients all emailing you every single day, everything they spent and everything they made and trying to come up with patterns. Like what was it and what happened? And anyway, I did that for a year and that's where I came up with the way I teach now. That's where all of my research came from. Um, Not only dissecting me down, but also working with people that were just, just really um, sweet and kind enough to share their inner, inner demons with me. Yeah. And how did you support yourself in that time? How did you make money? to? I had three jobs. I worked retail. 
I taught piano again yeah. and, um, and I worked coaching just, a, just barely. And then okay. in every spare moment I was blogging, I was coaching. Um, but yeah, I, I worked three jobs. I sold almost everything I could get my hands on. So I sold, you know, my, my ex wedding ring. I sold my patio furniture. I sold everything that was not nailed down. I ended up, um, I was renting a place that was this cute cottage and it had a little back house, you know, like, Yep. Uh, that I thought I'd work in. I actually rented that out. Like I went down to like beans and rice and water. Yeah. And this is what we're doing for a year. I was really, really honest with my daughter. And I told her, this is what happens. This is what happens. Mom was irresponsible. And this is how we get out of debt. And so she remembers the debt years and knows exactly what that was like. How old was she at this time? She was seven. Okay. That's seven years old. Yeah. So seven, seven till about nine. Like she was with me when we, when we paid off the last payment. Um, and so, so if there's, if, if there's a way to sum up why I was in debt, I would say it's the same reason that I drank. It's the same reason that, um, I had codependency issues. It's the same reason I ended a divorce. And what it was, was an over exaggeration of my assets and a minimization of the liability. <laughs> Interesting. Over exaggeration of your assets Mm-hmm. And minimization of your liability and oh which is how which is like according to behavioral science that's what people do i mean it's just a right. natural human behavior like it's, right. it sounds odd because we're such fearful things but in behavioral science it just proves people are more apt to believe that they they overestimate how much they have and they underestimate how much they owe right but I mean, you, right? But I don't think that's obvious to a lot of people. Like I don't. I I'm not saying I've it's obvious. Heard. I'm just. I, I'm saying it's not obvious. It's. It sounds crazy, but it's. It. But it, I'm just saying behavioral science backs I mean, it up. As human beings, we do tend to over. I know. I'm asking her to explain that because I don't. It's not. I don't. So, I've never heard. So that in a before. relationship, it's like hanging on all the good qualities and not and minimizing the bad qualities minimizing how much it's emotionally costing you yet exaggerating like but we have fun and he's nice and he makes money and I'm not going to pay attention to all these bad things right um in in money it's like oh you know my house is probably worth three hundred thousand dollars and I think I owe like 160 so it's like rounding up and rounding down rounding up and rounding down constantly though which gives you this inflated idea of what you actually have yeah and with drinking too, like I, because the, the, the piece I, like, I understand what you meant from a financial aspect yeah. like that makes perfect sense. But when you get into relationships or well, with drinking, addiction, it's, it's, yeah. it's saying that being drunk is funner than the price you have to pay for it, which is yeah. incorrect. And you finally find that out. But for a long time, you can keep that story rolling, right? Or just not even just being drunk, but all the connections you have through drinking and the social aspect and the right. Those are my assets, yeah. right? So you you over over exaggerate the assets from it, and then you minimize the liability that it's costing you. And so that's and why that happens. Why that's a problem is because you, um, you you're not sitting in that foundation of truth, which gives you that anxious feeling that you're constantly trying to fix. If you have five bucks and it's in your wallet and you have to hand that over to somebody and now you don't have $5, that makes sense. But when you have this rotating thing of like monthly payments and I don't know how much I actually owe and I'm not going to really even open my mail and I'm not really going to deal with that or I'm going to get paid in five in five days so I'm going to count that as income now. Like 
people do all kinds of dicey things with their money story to make them feel better. Yeah. Not helping. Yeah. So, so then what, um, what happened? Like you, so you, you paid off all your debt within two years. Did I did. So a lot of it was finance. uh, A lot of it was, um, uh, real estate. So I paid, uh, I sold those places. I short, short sold one place and I ended up paying off, um, the extra amount. So my main house, um, sold for well under what we owed, um, and took out a personal loan for, to pay that off. And then, um, and then my condo, ended up short selling. So that was a big amount of change. I think that was probably 400,000 of it. And then the rest of it, I paid off through three jobs, selling everything I could get my hands on living like so minimal with nothing, but it, was, so, it felt so good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to do. That's why I'm just like, wow, because it's hard to do. Like who was guiding you through that? What sort of resources or tools did you collect? I read, well, I read JD Roth. I read Adam Baker. I read, you know, some of the, um, money blogs that were really big at that time and minimalism, you know, there's lots of things on minimalism, but it was, it was more about so, so the way that I teach money and the way that I would teach sobriety as well is that it's, it's about really getting in touch with how you're feeling at that moment. And so what I realized over and over and over was, oh my gosh, it's not even about what I'm spending. It's not even about what I bought. It's not even about what I'm making. It's about how I feel in that moment. And I'm, am I doing this to avoid a feeling? Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I was doing everything to avoid a feeling. So I started feeling, and that was, that's why I call it sobriety work. Every single time I spent money, I had a journal with me and I'd have to write down how I felt about it. What did I think about it? Why did I spend it? How did I feel right in that moment? And I started realizing these patterns that were running. Yeah. Okay. So you, so, but you're still like, um, drinking wise, you're still this, that, the, mm-hmm. you, when, how did you decide or how did you realize and get to the part where you need to be, where you, sober, you needed to be sober? Yeah. Yeah. That was three years later. So I did wow. all of this money work and, what I find with people is sometimes you can get sober, but you just really push your problems over into a def- different arena, <laughs> you know, like sugar or yeah. boys or, you know, you get sober from alcohol, you might start getting money problems or vice versa. So I got really sober with money. And, and what's interesting is during that time, I actually stopped drinking, but without thinking about it. I just stopped drinking for about a year. Oh, really? Yeah. And didn't even think about it. Like it wasn't even a big deal. I just stopped completely. Was it like a money thing? Like you just, or you just I didn't think have it was space a money about- thing. It was also like a post-divorce thing. My daughter was really, you know, upset every single night. And yeah, I was you didn't have the space time. for it. Yeah. I just didn't. And I felt so much relief from being out of that marriage. Like I just didn't, I just didn't have that desire at all. And, and and that was something I would go back to and back to like, why that year? Why was it so easy? Why did I just stop? Because then, because at some point after that, it got not easy. It got not easy. Yeah. Okay. It got not easy. And I don't even know really, like I've tried to trace back because I keep really good journals, but I, I don't know exactly what made me start drinking again. 
I think I'm curious. Were you? Was it like? Do you think that the focus on the money? Because I, I mean, I can be compulsive about spending and not spending. Do you yes. think that you were getting hits off of the control you were having over? Like, do you mm-hmm. think you were getting like getting that addictive hit off of the control you were taking back over your money? I don't think so. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, Cause I definitely have done that with like food and all kinds of things. I, yeah. So it wasn't really a controlly thing. I wasn't budgeting at all. I was, I was making myself keep a couple promises. One, you can only buy things you want. So you have to really want it. And two, you have to pay for cash. <laughs> you didn't yeah. convince yourself you wanted everything. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's like, uh, I, I was just like really aware for the first time of like, really what is going on here. Interesting. So it wasn't, um, you're not allowed to spend money and you need to pay this off. Da, 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 da. Like it wasn't that controlly thing. Mm-hmm. Not, not yet. <laughs> that ended up happening, but later and that, that happened. Yeah. I was going to ask you about it. Cause that's what scares me about it is, um, it's just like for me, why I don't diet. Um, mm-hmm. like I get hyper, I get really crazy controlly over things, um, yeah. and can become easily obsessed. And so. I want to talk That's about that. why I I would never I do not advocate uh, budgets at all. Ever. Oh, interesting. interesting. Oh my god. Huh. Yeah, ever for the same reason I advocate. Tell me how you felt. <laughs> tell me about it. What you What you spend and how did you feel when you did it? Mm-hmm. Oh, and how do you feel when you make that money? So it's it's both ways. How are you feeling when the money comes to you, and how are you feeling when the money goes away? And, and I tell you, when you feel abundant both ways, you end up accruing wealth. And when you feel scarce, when you feel shitty about the money you're making, like I did, guess what? You make sure that your net worth, um, you, you psychically even it out. You make it even with how you're feeling. Yeah. Like, oh, my so- God. My mouth's like hanging open. <laughs> Well, it's so funny because I hate talking. I mean, I've, I've been working on it for a while. I've done more in the last couple of years than I've ever done around it. I've done like, I've done like, um, I've, I've not really read a ton of, no, I've read books on it. I've read books on it, but I've also just started to every day. I actually have money affirmations where mm-hmm. it's like, I love talk. I love money. Money comes to me easily. Yeah. I, um, I'm, I pay, I'm happy to pay my bills. I love giving mm-hmm. away money. I bought a new wallet to mm-hmm. like take care of my money. I make sure I always mm-hmm. touch it very kindly and I tell yeah. it, I love it and thank it. I, so I've been doing more, but when we're talking about what we're talking about here, I'm so uptight and tense and I want this conversation to end. <laughs> Um, yes, I like hate my body it. is freaking out right now. My even the thought freaking. of it, it just makes me, it makes me so, it, like, even when I make money, I'm uncomfortable. And when I, and, and when I, oh God, fuck. Okay, well, yeah. will you trust me uh, enough to just go into that conversation a little oh, bit? No, of course. <laughs> oh no, we're going there. I'm just like, oh my God, I didn't, I can't believe what a visceral reaction I'm having right now yeah. about this. And, and also just that you've been successful. Like, I'm just like, yeah. I have that same like how the fuck you know and also that like inferior like she's got something I don't I could never do what she did what she did that's what I keep you are doing you are doing what I did you're doing exactly what I did you got you guys started this when you were brand new into your sobriety pretty much right yeah you weren't 10 years in you didn't have it like in your back pocket yet yeah that's exactly what I did with money I'm like guess what I'm paying this off and I might fuck it up and I'm gonna just start telling you about it that's where I started okay all right okay so go (laughs) Going. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> You've got my attention. 
So why do you think you're so anxious? Like why the body response? Is it fear? Is it? Oh, because I think I'm always going to be fucked up with money. I just am like, I will, I make a mess. My thing is, um, I make a mess of things. I, I do, I like over, I'm an accountant. And so I'm almost too smart for my own good. I overcomplicate everything. I, um, I always, and I hate thinking about like how I'm feeling when I'm spending things. I hate pulling myself back. If I want something, I want something. I just bought a pair of $200 camper booties because I think I need them in Rome. I did it three years ago, and I like I just want to have new ones for this time when I go to Rome. And so it okay. just, like, dropped so $200. Okay, okay, so let's look at that. Yes. Do you, do you like – how did you feel when you spent that money? How did you feel? Awful. Awful. Okay, good to know. <laughs> <laughs> I want them. I want them so bad, but I just okay, am so, sitting there so thinking. What part of you wants them? Oh, the part of me that wants to, that sees myself in Rome for two months and wants to make sure that I look perfectly cute every day when I go out walking and that, like, it's tied into the magical experience. And I had the same shoes two years ago, three years ago, that provided me the same experience. They were comfortable, they looked great. I wanted them. Okay. So, so why? Why is it not okay to want them right now? Because I'm in the middle of starting a business. Because the way that I, because I'm going to Rome in the first place. Because mm-hmm. I'm not careful. Because it just is the same thing. I'm not careful with my money. It's the same reflection of How like. Do you, okay, that's a belief though. So I'm not careful with my money. That's like, are are you careful with yourself? Are you careful with your body? Are you careful with your yoga practice? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean the best I can, but yes, I, okay. I am. Yes. So it's the same thing. It's just a relationship. That's all it is. It is not rocket science. It's how do, how do I interact with this entity called money? That's all. Yeah. It, it I, is just a reflection of yourself. So if you're pretty good in other areas, you can be pretty good with money. Yeah. I mean, I don't believe you, but. (laughs) (laughs) I believe all this shit. Like I do. I believe in, you know, like I firmly believe in abundance and I believe there's enough out there and I believe in vibration and all this stuff. But for money, it's like a black hole. I'm like every, I believe this everywhere, but here. Okay. Same. Totally. Same. So let me just, let me just give you an alternate life this whole other Holly that could have bought shoes and this is what she'd be thinking. I really love these and I'm getting them because I love them and the money that I made to get them. I love that money. I love what I did to get that money. I love how I'm spending that money. I love what I'm going to do with that thing that I buy. Yeah, that would be really nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, so it, it's a and it's true too. I mean, I do love what I did to get that money, and I do love those shoes, and I can't wait to. You know what I mean? The whole thing is true. It's just a matter of like, a, I so you just have a belief that because you started a new business, you shouldn't have new shoes. And also, I just feel like I'm doing the same thing I've always done, which is just throw the money after the thing that I want. You know, I had a Victoria's. It's so funny because I had it like when you said Victoria's Secret credit card. That was my first credit card. I was 18 years old and I bought I maxed it out immediately. I needed I wanted five hundred dollars like worth of lingerie. I had like I was the only co-ed who um, had like could barely pay her rent, but had five hundred dollars of fancy lingerie I mean I've always done that so it just feels like I'm doing the same thing I've always done which is doing what I want to do you know okay, you're not giving yourself enough credit though because because you know what it's like to really want whiskey right yes oh god and yes. you also know <laughs> how good it feels to not get it when you want it that's right that's exactly the exact right. same thing you have to learn with money that's all okay 
It's the exact same thing. You already know how to do it. You okay. have to know, I want those $200 pairs of shoes or whatever, and getting them or not getting them feels equally good. So right now, now mm. I'm going to decide which is better for my future. Oh. Oh, my God. I get it. I totally get it. I got that. That yeah, just blew so you my were- mind. <laughs> well, it's the same as what Laura wrote. She wrote this blog post in about how oh. sometimes she doesn't want to run, but there's that feeling that she gets afterwards, exactly. which is having exactly. run. And so exactly. it's the same thing. You can get the same benefit off of not having spent. Yes. It, mm-hmm. And it starts to become more intoxicating. Huh. <laughs> you okay. Get you get it all, right? You get the, oh my yes. God, it's like a rad human being because I didn't spend that money. And like, look at me. I'm on my game. I'm going with old shoes to Italy. This is awesome. Oh my God. You're, oh my God. Mind blown. Mind blown. Yes. Because I'm sitting here thinking most of the time when I don't spend, it's deprivation. But it's the same thing that I teach people about alcohol, which is it's not deprivation. You're getting something for right. not doing that. Oh. <gasps> Cool, right? Fuck yeah. Are your brains just all over? Because my brains are all over. My brains are all over. And also, I'm going to hire you as a coach. I don't know how much you cost. I'm like, um, (laughs) but I'm going to hire you. you. (laughs) Talking. Yeah. But that's, that's why I love talking about money in the sobriety because it's, you get it. You just get it. And it's the same tool. It's exactly the same tool. It's like you have to feel good from not having it. Oh. God, man. never thought of that. Never <laughs> thought of that. You're you're welcome. Your bank account will thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, though, Holly, remember the post that I wrote when I had gone in the cop car for the second time with Alma, and it yes. was all because of my money. And you had to borrow money from a friend. Yes, to I pay do. Off my parking tickets that yes. were in the thousands of dollars. It was just like a spiral that I had created for myself because of drinking. But here I am. I don't know. Maybe I was six months sober or something. Yeah, you were feeling like what the fuck? I'm sober. I'm sober, and I'm still creating this mess. But it was like, it was like you said the the hangover didn't hit me until, you know, this was a money hangover. This was a accountability and responsibility and money hangover. Yep. And it was hitting me later. Yep. And that, it feels like this sort of unjust Mm -hmm. thing, you know, it's like, um, I, I see, I, I don't even know where to start with just how big that is to be able to apply the same thing. Mm hmm. To, to, to money. To, to money. It's right, so, but that's what I wanted you guys to hear is like, you're doing it. You already have these tools. Yeah. You have them. Every single person listening has this tool. They can do it with something. Maybe it's sugar. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe they're struggling with alcohol, so they need to pick something else. What else can you say no to? And in saying no, it feels good. Yeah. Right, which leads to, okay, so, so there's this question that I had, and I, I actually picked it up from a Rob Bell uh, do you know Rob Bell? Yes, yes. Okay, so I just picked it up from a Rob Bell, a Rob Cast from mm-hmm. this. Um, for I think it was just from this week. It's episode one hundred and two. Amazing, totally ties in with this. So for people listening, oh, cool. we'll, we'll link it up. Um, it's called the Light in Your Eye. Um, I just listened to that. I'd never listened to a Rob cast before. Sorry, Rob Bell. Oh my gosh. I'm I'm too behind. I just got done with him and Liz Gilbert. So, (laughs) yeah. So the, so it's, there's a, this is just a small part of it, but I latched onto it, um, about 
having an, a, a sort of attitude of abundance when it comes to money and that that doesn't mean that you that you spend a lot of money or that you don't spend a lot of money it means that you have this energy flow about it and yes. a mindfulness of the energy that is flowing because to me it's like what holly said it's like i just equate it automatically with with deprivation and i turn it off just the same thing that she said I turn it off I turn off my thinking that way because it feels like a diet which scares the shit out of me mm-hmm. and I I reject it and I'm afraid of the rigidity and all that um but so being I guess my point is a question is frugality like being frugal you can be smart with your money and quote-unquote frugal even though I hate that word mm-hmm. without restricting without um I have it written here well, yeah. Oh, yeah. With you, you could stay frugal and still be abundant. abundant. Yes. So I wouldn't use the word frugal either. I, I would use mindful. That's just okay. the word that okay. I use. Let's never mm. say frugal again. Yeah, I hate it. I hate it too. <laughs> it just reminds me of like pick and save or something. Yeah. Else. Yeah. Exactly. So I would much rather be consciously choosing to spend two hundred dollars on shoes that I love than pay twelve dollars for shoes I hate. So it's yeah. not about it's not about how much you're spending. It's about why and how you feel. Okay. Mm. Um, so are you mindful? Are you actually doing something you want? Are you getting something you want with money you have? I mean, that's, that's as hard as it gets. Um, so how to feel abundant. This is, this is how I teach abundance uh, right now. I'm imagining that both of you guys feel like you have an abundance of air. You can breathe as much as you want to, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you need to hyperventilate just because there's air in it. Right. You just, Feel like uh, okay, yeah, sorry, that took a second for me to get. Okay, yes. So you just breathe as much as you breathe because you know there's so much of it. Yes. Like, it's not a big deal. You don't have to hold your breath. You're not, like, holding your breath so other people can breathe more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? God. Right? You just, you just breathe. That's what abundance feels like. There's yes. There's plenty, and it's not a big deal. But we never think this about money. We never think this about money. No, I don't. Like, in my classes, you do. <laughs> yeah, I'll be in your classes. I'll be in your classes immediately. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it's not hard. You just have to be taught to think about it in ways that you already understand. I get it, and you tra- like going back to sobriety. It for me, I I started out with sobriety thinking I could never get like when before before I stopped drinking, I thought I could never live my life without alcohol happily, and then it was just a complete reframe. I read like Alan Carzizi. Right. And it was such a like a total change in my perception and the way that right. I saw the world. And yeah. So his entire method is this isn't as hard as you think. And I would say money's the same way. It's not hard. Like you yeah. were telling the story that it's hard and you'll never get it. And even though you're accountant, you'll never get it. No, it's not. It's not hard. It's it's literally like it's just a number. Yeah. Um, but, it, but what he does really brilliantly is he substitutes in what you think feels good and he makes you understand that that's actually hurting you. And then what you think feels bad is actually what feels good. So he switches it yeah. if you books. Yeah. And that's, that's the same thing here. Have you written, you haven't written a book yet. Are you going to? I have, yeah. I have well, a book called Money Love. Oh God. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I will say I know, but we also taught, like, I read up on yeah. you, like, three months yeah, ago and have, watched your Mormon talk and all that, and I haven't, I didn't oh go back in. I know, I love that, by the way. No, I have um, a self-published book called Money Love. I have a memoir that is yet to be published. I have a book deal coming down the pipe for a book called Yoga Church. So, yeah, I, I write. Awesome. I'm in the middle of writing books. Yeah. 
yeah. So, but this, this stuff is just fun. I, I could talk about it all day. I love it. <laughs> I am like my word. I don't have any more words cause I'm just hanging out with like my mouth open because well, I feel like, right. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm the same. I'm like sitting here cause I want, I want to go so far into a lot of this stuff. And, and part of me is kind of thinking, um, I'd like to end up with some tips, but I kind of would, I'd really like to have you, um, on again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I, because we're already at close to an hour, and I would really like. I'm sure, Laura, you're feeling the same. Like, I would really like for you to, um, to, to have for us to have an episode that like is just really focused on like how to help, like how to um, help people get started and yeah, help how to get and started. Yeah, 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 like early sobriety for money and what does it look like, something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Fun. So yeah, I would say if I'm gonna leave you with any tips, I would say first like start, start today. I would say what makes or breaks your money relationship is the most mundane spends. It is how you feel when you go to the grocery store. It is how you feel when you put gas in your car. It is how you feel when you pay subway fare or something like the dumbest things that you have to pay all the time. Notice how you feel. Most people feel really shitty when they do it. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that they're feeling all the time about money. So if you can clean up and go to the grocery store and actually feel good about the money you're spending there. So the point is to get it to neutral or to an abundant or, uh, you know, like a positive belief around. So it's not to change the behavior right away. It's to notice how you. Because of the belief. Okay. So you, so it's doing the things that maybe you normally do, uh, Mm -hmm. except you're in the moment when you notice you feel shitty, how you, would you try to flip it right then? Yeah, so let's say I'm going to go to the grocery store and I like Whole Foods and it's $100 for half a bag of groceries. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think the thought, this is shitty, I wish groceries were cheaper. I shouldn't spend this money. I should have gone to Market Basket, whatever. Right. This is too much money. This is ridiculous, whatever, right? So there's a whole slew of story I could have. So the point is... How you, how you get yourself out of debt and how you get yourself money sober is to never spend money when it, you're feeling bad, ever. Like, never. Okay. You just can't. Well, because you you're, you're breaking the... So what you're saying is you're, you're almost breaking, breaking the... Um, you're breaking the connection between um, the, the addictive connection, which mm-hmm. is getting dopamine hits off of spending mm-hmm. money. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you're feeling bad and sometimes you're, you're buying things to feel better and sometimes you're feeling bad and then spending money that feels bad. So if you think about that as an energy exchange and what you're putting out into the world, like you just stop doing the negative things. You stop spending money from that feeling place, which means that you either have to wait to buy something, Mm -hmm. which is good, Mm -hmm. or you have to really change your story about it. So, so instead you could go to Whole Foods and go, you know what? This is quality food. It shouldn't be cheap, actually. It should be as expensive as it is. These people mm-hmm. work really hard to make this available to me. Like, you can change your story like that. Mm-hmm. But, but do it on common things. Don't do it on shoes. I mean, that's great if you want to do it on shoes. But, but do it on the thing that you're spending money every day. The coffees and the... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if you're telling okay. yourself, I shouldn't be spending this money, and you're doing it every single day in line for your latte how the universe goes okay <laughs> like, oh my god I do that every day twice a day 
at least. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of no, saying with I my coffee. Oh no. yeah. No. Right. <laughs> Just, yeah. <laughs> but instead of saying I shouldn't spend this money, what if you just said I can spend this money? I should if I want to, and that's all. Okay. No baggage. So you're saying the first thing to start with is just to, and do you suggest that you do what, that people do what you did and just start writing down how they feel when they make purchases? Or yes. okay, yes. okay. And if they don't remember to do it, like just what um, I would tell my my students and clients is just like great, put all the receipts. Just get a receipt everywhere you go, even if you're not used to it, and just put it in your in your wallet or in your bag. And then at the end of the day, just bring them out so you have to remember. Like, why did I actually buy that? Why didn't I buy that? Why did I buy that? So like one of, one of the very first things that I did, like, I think it was like day one. I'm just like, I'm just going to write this down. And I was, um, about 20 minutes away from home and it's, you know, we get this stupid June gloom and it was like right in June, I think is when I started. when I found out the guy was going bankrupt on me. Um, and so it was cold and I didn't have a sweater and the outlet center was near me, which I, I don't shop at outlet centers. I just don't do that. No. <laughs> but I did that day. And I went to Ralph Lauren, which is like the last place that I would wear clothes. But that was like, I wanted a sweater and I knew they had sweaters and it had like this, you know, it's just like, so not me. So I ended up buying this bright yellow sweater that was so not me. And I wore it that day. And I'm like, Okay, so when I got home, I got that receipt. It was like $40 because it was at the outlet. And I'm like, why did, you, why did you buy that? And so how did you feel and why did you buy it? And I'm like, I bought it because I didn't want to drive home. I bought it because it was easy. Did you like it? No. Like I just started journaling about it and I realized, oh my gosh, I got this thing that I hate. I spent mm-hmm. money on it because I was lazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is not okay. And what would you have done different? Like now, what would you do in that situation? Well, what I did do because I had started my money, I, I went back the next day and I returned it. Oh. And I got $40 and change actual cash. Like they gave me the money, which I think was just like seriously a gift from God that day that they didn't put it back on my card. They yeah, actually never happened. Cash. Yeah. They handed me the cash and I looked at it and it was like $40. That's like real money. That was real money that I did not even realize was out of my account. Like I can actually go, I could, I could feed me and Isabel for like two days on 40 bucks. Like yeah. college town is cheap. So it, it was just like, oh my gosh, how many times am I doing that? Spending money on stuff I don't even like. Oh, and, and then not returning it because again, I'm too lazy and I don't, and I'm not, uh, respecting that relationship that I have with money. Yeah. So I made myself right. go return it. And that was like really probably my, my turning point was the stupid Ralph Lauren sweater. Isn't that funny? <laughs> <laughs> but it could be any, I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of excited right now. Oh, I'm so excited. Yay. Oh my gosh. You guys went from having heart attacks to excited. That's good. <laughs> I am. I'm, I'm like excited to do, I don't know. I'm excited to do it too. Good. Like, like I'm excited to not buy things today and I don't spend crazy. It's not even like that. I just, it's well, you spin whole... like me, you spin stupidly. You just kind of stupidly. like, you nickel and dime yourself like I do to death. Yep. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, I need, you know, stop at these four. Like I'm going to buy six fizzy was- waters right now. Yeah. And I'm going to go buy two coffees at Starbucks and then I'm going to buy a cookie and then I'm going to buy, you know, just, mm-hmm. I'm going to go buy a dumb shirt at Marshall's and I'm going to get like three other things and then I'm going to forget that I have them. And then, yes. Uh. Right. And so it's, it's interesting because I was just at, um, Wonderlust, uh, Hollywood 
for a training and and somebody I bought this really nice Mala necklace and you know it was like 400 bucks I love it I love it I'm obsessed with it and she knew how much it cost because she had seen it in the gift shop and she's like cannot believe you spent that much and I'm like huh yeah I buy things that I like like I just do and and I I don't I might not, I, I don't get the, the thing that I don't like anymore. And what happens is I actually rarely spend money because I actually rarely, <laughs> really like things. Oh my God. That's like sobriety too. It's, mm-hmm. it's like decide, figuring out what it is you really like to do with your time mm-hmm. Yeah, and being really selective about it. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> See, you guys are going to be good at this. I know it. Good. Wow. There's a lot of work to do. Yeah, <laughs> we need to. We definitely yes. need to do an episode too. Like, people are going to be, um, the heads are going to explode all over the world. I told you it's mind bendy. <laughs> it is. It is. But it's really funny. It's kind of one of those things that I think, um, I've, like, I, I've heard this stuff before. It's just I haven't heard. Yeah, before. you said it in a way that actually hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then you'll start to read the money books in this new with this new perspective. I'm like, I got it, I got it. So tell yeah, us but- about your book. What is um? So you wrote that five years ago, and what um? What principles are in that? What is it? What is it telling? You know, just so our readers There's can pick something up. Four four types of spending. And three types of earnings. So it goes into like the categories. Each spend is going to be either abundant. It's going to be an avoidant spend, a neutral spend, or a scarce spend. And so you start to learn like what those mean and how, what you do with that. Mm -hmm. And then the three different ways that you earn money is abundantly, neutrally, or scarce. Scarcity Mm -hmm. spend. uh, Abundant. So so I think that there's two different people. And, and sometimes we have all of the money problems, but there's two different people that I tend to see in classes. One that either hates their job and hates the way they make money, and which inevitably will show up in their bottom line. Or there's the person that um, spends, you know, has a spending problem. So, or there's the earning and the spending problems. Mm-hmm. So my job is to help them understand, like, you, you need to love the way you make money. And then you also need to love the way you spend money. That's mm-hmm. the work. And that's why it's called Money Love. So that's what that okay. talks about. I have so many questions even just on that. But we'll put that, like, I want to know, what if you don't love your job and you can't change it right now? What, what if you don't love the way that you make money? But anyway, that's a whole other yeah, thing. Yeah, it's a whole other thing. But Okay. Yeah. So so people can buy your book. Uh, I know it's on your website. Is yeah, it? yeah, it's on my website. And there's also, a, like, a six-week do-it-yourself workshop that's on my website that's, that has the book, the workbook, and a whole bunch of audios that I can awesome. run. Okay. That's a really good program. Um, and then also on Amazon, if you look up Meadow DeVore, you'll find Money Love. Mm-hmm. I just uh, got it. <laughs> and, I felt, and I felt good about it. How did you feel about that? <laughs> yes, that's great. You're like, I, I bought like, the Kindle version, which is only $4.99, guys. Um, and I felt very good about it. And your website, just so everyone knows, and we'll put, put this put this up, but it's yogachurch.com. And yeah. Meadow DeVore. And right? Meadow DeVore. Yeah. yeah. So Does my, Meadow DeVore have your the blog and all that good stuff? Yeah. The Meadow DeVore has my writing. It's my blog. It's it's the money love. It's my book stuff is on there. Um Yoga Church is uh where I do teacher trainings and um the Oh, class I have been going to. Yeah. So I have okay. to 
it's it's confusing. But yeah, Yoga Church is me with uh, other staff teachers that so our blog is all shared. But the Meadow oh, okay. by me. All by me. Amazing. Yeah. So I'm excited to hear how this goes for you guys. <laughs> yes. I will tell you. Good, good. <laughs> You're gonna be sad I have your email address. No. <laughs> well, and you don't do you don't do coach. You do classes, but you don't do um personal yeah, clients don't anymore. Do one-to-one anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm busy with I get that. Yeah. yeah. Um no, I'm excited. I'm excited to read this and I'm excited to have you on again for like a I I I'm excited to have you on again for a follow-up, and I'm also really excited to have you on just to like um I'm excited to get the feedback from everyone. I'm I'm saying excited like 500 times. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what our listeners have to say and also what feedback we get about what um, what questions people might have. Um, and then it would just be wonderful to have you on again and, and even possibly just like recurring because um, this is such a big one. Yeah. It is such a big one. And especially, I mean, a high percentage of our listeners are also women. I think for women especially, it's an even bigger right. one. And so I'm... I think you have a high percentage of writers. I think, I mean, your people are like you, you know, they're writers, they're bloggers, they're new entrepreneurs, there's people getting us, you know, into their sobriety. So, I mean, there's so many topics that we can hit that would, that would be very meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, this is so awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So I'm really glad that I got to talk to you, Laura, not too long after you left your job. (laughs) I've been like oh hey, you have no idea at how <laughs> yeah, at how <sighs> yeah well yeah I mean my head's spinning this is amazing and perfectly timed and I'm glad it worked out the third time and not the first time I think it would have been a different conversation yeah, yeah. um Good. so thank you thank you you're um, welcome first of many conversations you're amazing um keep going and we'll we'll be back Great. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye. We didn't talk about yoga church. It's okay. I know. Do I? <laughs> that was so good. Um, yeah. It was so good. I know. I haven't wanted to, like, because I look at this like, oh, it's that one thing that I'm not going to do yet. But I love that you were like that because every single person listening is going to be sweating and pissed yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's good. the thing I, I, and I honestly, in truth, as you're saying, like, give yourself more credit. I have, I mean, it's gone from in the deep, dark, blood red to considerably better just by the fact that I'm not, you know, I'm conscious, but I'm not drunk all the time. And, you know, I spent... It's like Holly said, it's just this. Yeah.